0: Welcome to S.O.D.I. Illusions. We are going to be doing a solo show today. So I'm using the Royal We. We're going to be talking about a very uplifting topic. Something that... Uh, a universally joyful show called 13 Reasons Why. I... I struggle to even... Uh, it, it, it's funny in some ways because the show used to be pretty good. And I actually, I say this as somebody who uh, is responsible for one of the show's two fresh ratings on Rotten Tomatoes for last season. So I'm in the minority of people who even thought that last season was good. This season was uh, a absolute disaster. And it's such a disaster, I, I honestly didn't feel like going through the hassle of trying to get another guest to talk about this, because it's such a mess, so I'm... <laughs> We're gonna try and do this solo show as uh, coherently as possible. Uh, I have written a review for FanSided, which is already up, and I'll link to it. I, I you may want to read it first before this. I don't. I'll probably cover everything, so it's not necessarily required reading. But, and actually, this this episode will. Uh, By token of the format, we will be able to cover a lot more ground than we would in an 800-word article. So, I really, I I don't want to say I struggled through this season because the idea that it was only 10 episodes versus 13, the idea, although, I mean, the finale was an hour and a half, so, hour and 38 minutes, actually. So... it kind of just makes up the makes up the difference a little bit although i think the finales for the show have tended to be pretty long i don't want to uh, we've we've done a episode on season 3 from last year that is actually one of our most popular episodes that was kind of part of the motivation behind doing this one but i don't want to i don't want to spend too much time talking about the previous seasons cuz we did some of that in the last episode but I think probably the best way the best way to frame season four of 13 Reasons Why is to understand that you can essentially divide the four seasons up into two groups. You have sort of an action-reaction type dynamic between one and two, and then three and four in the sense that one and three did way more flashbacks than two and four did, and both two and four spend most of their seasons dealing with the fallout from the previous season. And with that in mind, that's that's kind of where season four started to run into trouble really early on. Montgomery de la Cruz is a really, 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 really bad guy. And Bryce Walker was a really, really, really bad guy, and I think the show managed to acknowledge that in the season three by immediately, I mean, season four kind of, I guess played footsie with the idea that the, you know, they, they hyped up a funeral scene and I guess it was supposed to be some big mystery, uh, figuring out who died. I personally watched most of the season, not even really thinking about that. And I didn't really care. Also, I mean, we're, a couple minutes in now but uh this will be a spoiler filled episode so if you haven't seen season four and you do care about spoilers you should not continue i i i'd almost say that you probably shouldn't care about the spoilers because the show is terrible but uh if you're listening you probably do so spoilers alert justin is the one who dies which is stupid and I will get into that later, but back to Bryce Walker. The show recognized that Bryce was so bad that they killed him. That they announced that he was dead immediately, almost as like a a victory. Uh, almost as the show was kind of course correcting the fact that uh, he got off fairly scot free in uh, season two. They wanted to let everybody know it's safe to come back. We do kill off the show's worst villain, and then at the end of the season, they killed off the show's. Either co-worst villain or second-worst villain? I I don't know. Is Monty a worse villain than Bryce? (laughs) That is a question that you can think about. I'm not really sure if the answer matters all that much. I I don't know. It's it's a mess. And the show's a mess. And you can kind of tell that this season was going to be a mess when Justin arrives home from rehab and immediately gets into an argument with Jess over their relationship. And Jess is kind of the show's standard bearer for feminist icon which the writing just doesn't really reflect that. It really doesn't. She's insp- inspirational and powerful when she's kind of used as the show's uh outlet to to express this kind of stuff and to reflect the me too movement which hadn't started when the show began and the show for 13 reasons why has always tried to kind of play latch itself on to current issues uh much to its own detriment i might add i don't think it's ever really a uh, taking uh, mental health has always been the show's thing we won't call that a current issue even though we as a nation are Making great progress in in just sort of destigmatizing even talking about mental health, but uh, the show whether it's the Me Too movement or mass shootings, the show kind of just steps all over itself when it tries to do this and almost handling it like a topic of the week style thing. But Jess, Jess is a really inconsistently written character. And it's hard to believe this really in- empowering, inspirational person is complaining to a heroin addict that uh, right after rehab, he doesn't want to be in a relationship. Which is something that if if you know anything about AA or any type of rehab, it's generally not considered smart to, to be in a relationship immediately. You're, you are supposed to focus on yourself. And Justin did bring that up. I don't know why the show needed to uh, write Jessica the way they did. And that also rings true for the the whole relationship with Diego, where at some point she's talking about wanting to you know infiltrate and be kind of like a mole and be a double agent with Diego, but there are some obvious feelings of affection there. And Diego, Diego's a really unnecessary, awful character. I really uh, you could take Diego Winston and basically Ani and and lump them in a category of new characters that the show never really understood how to how to bring into the the bigger fold because that's, that's kind of the big issue of the show. These characters all went through a very very traumatic event. Hannah Baker's Suicide and the tapes, which uh, were deemed destined to scar everybody who was on them for life. And then they, they, they piled on tragedy after tragedy. And there are a lot of people who said that 13 Reasons Why should not have continued past season one. I, I've said this before a few times. I'll, I'll say it again real quick. I don't agree with that. The show really built on the books. The book is, The book is very narrow in scope. Clay listens to the tapes all in one night. Pretty sure Marcus is the only actual subject of the tapes to make an appearance in the book. Tony appears briefly. Obviously, not on the tapes. He's the steward of the tapes. But that's it. It's it's no there's no broader plot line. Clay doesn't want revenge. Alex, there's no Alex beating up Montgomery. I don't think I'm pretty sure Montgomery is not even in the book. Almost positive. So the show's world building was superb. And maybe they could have done something with that. Because they the best thing the show's been good at is uh cliffhangers. The cliffhanger of season one at the uh in the final episode were spectacular. Uh you could say even the cliffhangers at the end of last season were, were decent with uh Winston being able to provide an alibi for Montgomery. Who's killed in prison? I mean that's just you call that anticlimactic or you could call it stupid and both of them would apply. There it's really ridiculous, but the show has always for from season 2, 3 and 4, the show has always struggled with it's built this great sandbox of characters and it has no real idea with what to do with them. So it generally likes to to fall back on the strategy of subjecting them to the uh, worst Things Possible, which isn't the worst narrative idea. I'm a big fan of Kurt Vonnegut. One of his rules of writing is to subject his protagonist to the worst possible things. It, it's an easy way to garner sympathy. But from an audience perspective, I mean, the, the, these characters have been through so much, you have to wonder, why are they friends? And of course, season four, I mean, they really don't feel like friends. But beyond that, why would anyone else want to affiliate themselves with this mess? Season 4 handles Ani a bit better. She's not the, the narrator anymore. That's really... Season 3 at its most insufferable was was the way that it used Ani as a plot device. And this sort of... There's There's got to be something wrong with a person who... Uh, puts themselves in the middle of, of these other people's mess like that. Like, it's just, it's, even if you take a high schooler who, who, who just loves drama, loves it so much, I, I, I can't see a character like Ani existing in real life, who's also like, like, not, not a perfect person either. She sleeps with Bryce and then goes and lives with Jessica and that is not even the most fucked up relationship in the show. They decided, the show decided to have, uh, Montgomery's sister needed to appear for whatever reason. We have Estella de la Cruz, who g- goes to prom with a person that her brother raped with a broom, violently. What oh, probably, I, I, I've watched all six seasons of Oz multiple times. I love Oz. It's a great show. That show had a lot of male rape. I have never on television seen anything or, or film seen anything, any rape quite as like graphic and just, just vile as, as uh, the rape of Tyler at the end of season two. The show loves shock value, but that was just like a depth. To which they, they I don't know how you, how you rehabilitate Montgomery after that, but of course they tried to they tried doing this season a lot. This season uh, brings back the worst narrative plot device of season two ghost characters. There are ghosts that Clay has to interact with because the show doesn't have anything else to do with Clay. There's no tapes, there are limited flashbacks. And the first three seasons all have kind of an episodic plot device. You have the tapes in season one. Then you have the courtroom, uh, really, who's testifying. That's the plot device of season two. And then Ani's narration with the suspects in season three. And as time went on, those plot devices got dumber and dumber. And you could almost argue 13 reasons why 13 episodes made too much sense not to do, even though, like, with regard to kind of the... The tapes that had to deal with Jessica's party probably could have been condensed, but give that a pass that that did make some sense to just limit them uh by each episode but uh dragging the courtroom out all season was ridiculous, and the murder suspects it was laughable of a season that was actually not that bad fairly good i I'd have to rewatch season three after season four to see uh, how much I truly still agree with uh, my positive rating, but it was definitely an improvement on season two, I'll say that. But Ani Annie was handled better this season. That's maybe one of the few positive things I could say about it. It is unrealistic that she's going to stay with Jessica. She's also a senior, a new student, you could say, okay, maybe she wouldn't want to go to Oakland to be with her mom when, when she's only got a semester left, and for a person who's moved a lot, okay, maybe we could, uh, we could forgive some stuff there. But the way she talks about being friends with all these people, it's just not realistic, and it's just, it's bad writing. It's bad writing not to understand that you you can't force your characters into these positions that you want to. And the show did that with Clay in an even worse fashion. Him talking about these lifelong friendships—the worst, one of the worst elements of season four—is the fact that none of these characters really seem like friends anymore. Which, conversely, was one of the better things about season three. You could say how ir- you you can accurately point out how irresponsible it is to have the group banding together to basically be with Tyler at all times. They had Tyler duty to stop this guy from conducting a mass shooting. And that's ridiculous and irresponsible and not really a good message for the show to do, but they did actually as a group all kind of seem like friends. Then that's kind of, I mean, that was kind of neat sort of here. It's like they don't want anything to do with each other anymore. And I can't, I, I don't blame any of them for that, but on the uh, uh, at the same time, it's not very interesting to watch. Clay and Tony, in particular, have, have basically no relationship anymore. Which the show kind of forces back together at the end. Not convincingly. Also, you have Clay and Tony who have fallen out. Clay apparently doesn't like having a brother anymore. His brother had to die of AIDS for some reason. Why did why did Justin deserve that? Why did the show in the year 2020 have to have a have to have an AIDS death? Uh, I, I know a lot of people who have HIV. They live pretty normal lives. You wouldn't they uh the the medical advances with uh treatment and stuff uh is 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 really uh fantastic and it's it's i have no idea why this show i don't think we need to have a person die of aids in the year 2020 on this show it's for no real reason either it's not like it served any real narrative value other than to end the show with yet another death the show's the school's fifth major death mind you you have uh from the first season who died in the car accident caused by Sherry. then you have Hannah. then you have well I guess so so Bryce technically was no longer part of the school. he had transferred. and then you have Monty who I guess technically was also not part of the school because he was in jail. but uh, death of five people that this school which apparently only has like a thousand people. a lot of death. Not all of those were necessary. I mean, maybe I guess four of them were necessary. No hand of death, no show. Poor Jeff. It's kind of sad thinking about the first season when um, you kind of realize that Jeff is a character. The show pace was had pretty good pacing with regard to him. And when you realize that Jeff is not in any of the present scenes. He's only in flashbacks. So that's kind of sad. Pretty sad. <laughs> These characters are not friends anymore. They have nothing in common. They didn't really, uh, in the first place. I mean, the cool thing about the season three group dynamic was the fact that it, it bore nothing in common with uh, Clay's sort of vigilante mission in the first season where he's uh, Tony's watching out for him, but Tony doesn't really interact with anybody. I remember being able to Google, is Tony real, 13 Reasons Why. Like, if you typed in, is Tony that google would fill out the rest that's not sustainable over the course of a full show but um the show for whatever reason just split apart its group dynamic and that's just not really a good formula for a show like this that needs these people to still be friends you can't have lectures about how important your friends are if the show doesn't do anything to convince you that they're actually friends and I, I, I say this also, I I am 28. I will be 29 next month. Generally speaking, your high school friends are not friends for life. That's just kind of the way it goes. If you're listening, if if you are still friends with people from high school, if they're still regular, if they're still ride or dies 10 years later, uh, that's great. But that's not a universal experience. And for a show to put this much weight into... How important these friends are—it's bullshit. I mean, it's just—it's it's bad writing. It's not something the show uh, presented convincingly. And I mean, the 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 driving force of this season was a will they, won't they, or will he, won't he about Winston, and to a lesser extent Diego. That was really only there to kill time and 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 create marginal suspense. Uh, few people watching would really want Alex to go down for Montgomery's death. But I, I don't think the show ever put much effort into convincingly presenting the idea that Alex would go down for Monty's death. And I look at Winston, who had a couple very problematic scenes with Monty last season. With Monty beat the shit out of him. That's fucked up. And yet, Winston... Winston also, who was expelled from his other school and is at Liberty now. I mean, give me a fucking break. It's senior year. Good God. Really stupid. And then you have Diego, a new character. They're supposed to say, oh, Monty was this great guy. Monty sucked. Monty was... Monty was never not awful on this show. So... They had to create characters who... Kind of humanized him mean, in a weird way. And the same goes for Bryce in the in these ghost scenes. You have this weird sort of redemptive narrative. Redemptive subtext may be the better word. For these two characters who are just awful. And it wouldn't be, it would, it would be the responsible thing to do for the show to just say, okay, these guys are horrible, they're gone, they're not coming back. Maybe handle the Monty narrative uh, in the first couple episodes and then and then deal with it because they never they never gave it and, and with the sheriff as well. they never gave the Monty plot line enough attention to I mean you had Clay going crazy, which I'll talk about in a bit, but um you, you it, it was not this super driving force in the way that it probably should have been. Like the 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 murder who who killed Bryce was was really the big driving part of at least at least definitely the second half of last season, but because um, they were dealing with the Tyler stuff a lot in the first season, the show did not have the. Uh, it, this season was not really about the fallout of it was about the fallout of Monty, but it wasn't really about the idea of justice. And it had really lost all steam by the end of it. I don't think anybody really thought that Winston was going to rat anybody out. That was uh, very, 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 very predictable. It was, I mean, who, who really wants that kind of a bad ending for Alex? I don't know. Maybe if the show was definitely having a fifth season, they would have sent him to jail and then had him get out for some stupid thing. But uh, it's, it's it's just ridiculous. And then you have Alex who is uh, at least bisexual, maybe he's gay. Initially so I say this as a bisexual person. I saw the plot line and I thought to myself, this is bad writing, they're just doing this. I mean, this show didn't need romantic relationships, and, and it really it, it, it did it handled them all horribly. Clay and Ani were not a convincing couple. Jessica, the Jessica Justin Diego uh, plotline was not not compelling at all. In fact, it was gross and and really poorly handled. Alex was was cute, but but with that also comes the idea that uh, it felt very forced to make him gay now or by. There wasn't a lot of uh, there wasn't a lot of setup for that. Maybe the most setup you could find would be in the first season. Where he made the hot or not list and was hanging out with the jocks for uh, much of the season. A, a, a dynamic that he never really fit into. You could say that. The show didn't tie those lines together though. So I don't really want to do too much of the show's work for it. It does. It does seem like bad writing. And yet, at the same time, I'm hesitant to criticize it all that much. I'm hesitant to criticize it too much because high school is a time for people to kind of have these revelations. And the show didn't really—I guess I would be more forgiving of the show if they had handled the fact that this character— we, we have narrative plot lines where characters are just suddenly gay. Riverdale did that. Other shows have done it. it it's kind of lazy. Buffy the Vampire Slayer Willow, season four. And real, real life does does occasionally function that way. I, I, I don't mean to discredit the idea that uh, once straight, people must always be straight. But there's nuance and there's there's care that should kind of go into the way that these narratives are framed, that the show, the show didn't do its homework or its legwork. There wasn't set up. It was just kind of... This show relies on shock value a lot and that kind of felt like just kind of one of its uh, one of its new stunts, and that's kind of the biggest case for the show going on as long as it did. Anyway, was the idea that in order to keep this show going, you have to just kind of up the ante with shock and just subject these characters to more and more trouble. Season two ended with them in a really good place, especially Clay. Now Clay has maybe dissociative identity disorder. Yes, there's something going on there, and the show doesn't really want to commit to handling it. We bring in Gary Sinise to be the therapist, who, who who's kind of a reasonable, rational person. I, I I really I struggled to to give much of a shit about any any of this stuff, any of any of the therapy scenes because. It felt like Clay's struggles were the product of the show not really having any idea of what to do with Clay. Let's separate him from Tony, because what else are we going to do? <sighs> Seriously, that's that's kind of how it looked. And that's not a good thing. It's a show that's out of gas. I mean, Tony's plotline they decide to kind of, uh, wade into the, it's hard to see Tony being part of this group's melodrama when he has so much, so much, so many bigger things to worry about with his family getting deported and all of that. That's a really, uh, big sensitive topic that the show just kind of lumped in as one of its other melodramatic things. It really undercuts the idea that Tony would have involved himself in all of these other people's nonsense. The idea that he has that much stuff going on, and also, I mean, he's a high school senior who as a as a lives with his boyfriend. Caleb's like a great character, but Caleb's not a realistic character in in any way, shape, or form. It's just absurd. Uh, <laughs> the dynamics that the show has created for itself are so frustrating, especially. At the end of season two, the show wisely kind of cleared the deck for for some characters that it clearly didn't need to have around anymore. Ryan leaves, Courtney leaves, Marcus leaves. Although Ryan and Courtney come back in the final episode and they're just kind of there again. And because I'm thinking of of, uh, Ryan, I have to bring up the uh, most glaring point of this season is the fact that they are all way too old to be playing high schoolers. Some of them look more so than others. Uh, I noted this on Twitter. Alex Standall is played by Miles Heiser. His character on Parenthood was going to UC Berkeley at the end of season five in 2013. Alex Standall is going to Berkeley in season four of 13 Reasons Why in 2020. So he's playing characters who are both high school seniors going to the same college seven years apart. The better part of a decade. I cannot convincingly play a high schooler. And I'm the same age as this guy. Even with all the ways that the estrogen has made me look young again. I don't look that young. (laughs) Bryce looked super old. Zach is 30 in real life. The actor Ross Butler is 30. And Zach, oh, Zach. Zach is an alcoholic because they couldn't think of anything else to do with him. That, that, that's really what this boils down to. And you know what? Being part of the death of a guy, yeah. That would cause grief. But it caused inconsist... It, it just... It doesn't feel like, like Zach's alcoholism was the product of legitimate remorse. Because Alex and uh, Jessica, they didn't really seem to care. And, and Bryce really did suck. It seems like he was an alcoholic because the show didn't understand what else to do with him. So he's drinking in every scene. He's just kind of treated like a joke. That's that's what the show thought that was appropriate to do. And uh, it it's really bad television. I found myself rolling my eyes every time Zach was on screen. And this isn't the first time the show has has handled Zack in a kind of really bad way. The whole flashback with Hannah in season two was really stupid. And he really was one of the show's more nuanced characters in the first season. Zach, Justin, and Alex were all, at various points, really treated as villains, not only to Hannah, but also to Clay, even though I mean Alex and Clay never really they never really uh, paired well against each other. Alex is just too, too 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 timid to fit that bill but uh really rich and uh, a lot of depth to those characters Alex did I mean Alex had one of the better plot lines this year, but Zack Zack Zach was a disaster. They got to do make gay people happy with Alex. Uh, as a gay person, I rolled my eyes a lot, but, uh, and Charlie is just a bad character. The sympathetic to Monty turned junior in high school who is their friend. I don't know why he'd want to have anything to do with them, and he's making weed cookies this season for some reason. I don't know, Charlie, Charlie's really not the worst thing that happened to the show. And Ani this season isn't either, as I said. But but Winston and Diego were ridiculous. And I, as, as not terrible as Ani was in the first couple episodes, she goes to Oakland and is gone from the narrative for a little while, and the show did kind of start to get better a little bit in this season. Not for very long. Well, the camping, episode four with the camping. I mean, the one big, the absence of a episodic plot device like the tapes or the suspect or the court testimony was most apparent in the two episodes that handled the camping and the shooting lockdown because those were long form storytelling that the plot devices really wouldn't have been able to handle very well. It kind of played out like concept episodes that Riverdale, like, should do a lot. The acting in the camping scene, in the camping episode, was just awful. And the acting in the season was really bad. It felt like the characters were were funny in. the writing was terrible I I really... Bad writing and bad acting are two things that I don't have a ton of sympathy for. I review a lot of indie movies. I can forgive uh, most things that happen in a film as a result of budget. I like films that can do less with more. But bad acting and bad writing are pretty unforgivable. Those are things that you don't... I mean, with a bigger budget, you can hire better actors, but these actors aren't bad they were the scene where zach and alex were sitting on the boat i couldn't stop laughing because it just it seemed like they were so checked out of this process and maybe they are there are two actors uh one's in his 30s one is late 20s playing high schoolers it's ridiculous they probably didn't want to do this anymore i wouldn't blame them i don't want to project too much onto them but just that's the way it all came across and we also, as if we didn't have enough, like, sort of, like, fragments of a plot, we have Tyler, the uh, police informant, who, they've done a great job with the guns that were found at the end of last season. Apparently, they'd, they'd made those untraceable. But what wasn't traceable, what was traceable was the bag. The police, <laughs> the police were able to figure out where Tyler had bought the bag for the guns. Give me a fucking break. That's, that is the dumbest piece of writing the show did this in. Of a plotline that basically went nowhere. You have the characters who are suspicious of Tyler, who is cozying up to both Winston and Elena. His rapist lover and his rapist sister. That is so fucked up. And I've never been, like, the biggest fan of Tyler. And the show's been playing footsie... Oh. School shooting. Lockdown. Talk about f- f- playing footsie with the school shooting. Not that we want to see a school shooting. But Tony Tony brings it upon himself. During the shooting, he thinks it will be helpful to risk his life to not st- shelter in place, but to go and bring... <laughs> printed out, we're supposed to believe Tyler printed out pictures of his guns, left them in his bag. And during, while the shooting is in progress, Tony thinks it would be helpful to bring the pictures of the guns to the principal. What good is that for a shooting in progress? Seriously, that's the stupidest fucking thing that maybe the show's done this season. And there are a lot of contenders. I, I I In what world would that be helpful information? There are so many eye rolls for this. It's too bad we're in a we're on a podcast forum where you can't see me rolling my eyes, but everybody just roll your eyes at the entire Fucked up lockdown. Which I don't know. Is that realistic that they would do that kind of intense lockdown that would last hours? I don't think so. Maybe... I, I, I don't really... It doesn't seem very realistic. And, I, you know, that maybe could have been an episode that that worked for some reason, but it just made Clay seem... It set, set Clay over the edge. And he was already set over the edge. He's being Tyler Jordan from Fight Club. Disassociating. He's vandalizing. The football team is also screwing with him. It's a prank. Because everybody loves dead people pranks. If you thought that somebody was a murderer, would you want to prank them constantly? when you just go to the... I don't know. Maybe you go to the police. Would you continue to prank them? Uh... It seems kind of ridiculous, but the show just kind of had the lockdowns so that it could set up this kind of, I mean, they were also talking about topic of the week. They were doing police brutality and police racism. Which, of course, with everything going on in the world, uh, is certainly topical, unintentionally topical for the show, which couldn't have known what was going to be happening in the world the week that this season premiered, but you have Jessica, who supports the security measures, who she probably should have supported the security measures, given that this school could... You know the school has a very serious potential mass shooter around in Tyler. If I knew that one of my classmates was going to shoot up the school, and a teach- and a, the principal asked me if I thought it was good to have security measures in place, I would probably. I, you know that's that's a that's a. It's hard to tell. I, that's such a dumb hypothetical. That this show actually explored. Jessica supports the measures, probably for good reason, and then goes away from them because they're anti-Liberty I guess, at Liberty High. I would said anti-Liberty before I remembered what school they were at. It's just, it's it's all ridiculous. And Clay. I feel like I keep dancing around the topic of Clay because it's just so ridiculous that, I mean, what is there to say? It's handled, How is he supposed to give powerful lectures about this when the kid so clearly just needs help? And how irresponsible is it of his parents to give him and Justin that, that out- outdoor, that ba- backyard bachelor pad? A heroin addict and a guy who's, Clay's been through a lot. Justin's been through even more. Keep them in the house. This is just ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. They're very irresponsible parents. Clay's parents have been really poorly handled in this narrative since the first season. Or at least his mother was around the... Well, his mother was representing the school briefly. <laughs> Ay,, yay. The kids look old. That principal looks like he is about to die of old age. He looks like he has aged... 50 years in the four seasons of this show. And he actually wasn't really that villainous of a character. I think he's just kind of a guy trying to do his best. I don't know. The protests at the end were ridiculous. I I hate... I I support defunding the police in real life. This show didn't make a convincing case to be anti-police, except for the fact that there was some uh, racial profiling that happened. But... um, as far as security goes, I mean, who could blame them? You have Tyler, who the show didn't want to turn in for whatever reason. And Tyler, Tyler is probably one of the show's better characters. I, I feel for him. That rape, that rape scene is, is horrific. And he's not a bad guy. But he's attracted to guns in a weird way. He's a fetish for guns. And that's, that's a problem. I don't know, that, that kind of needs therapy to handle. And maybe he'll get it, maybe he won't. I mean, if there, was, if there was another season, maybe he would become a mass shooter. Because the show just doubles down on shock value whenever it wants. That, that's the story of 13 Reasons Why. They had the original 13 Reasons, but then they had to come up with more and more reasons for the show to exist. And the show also makes a big mistake of uh, hyping up the importance of college to these kids' lives right now. All of them should take gap years and just just relax for a year. And Zach seems to be the only one. He's going to coach football now for some reason. It would be very hard for him to get that high school job with no college degree given that uh, you'd have to have uh, you they'd probably be in a position where they'd have to interview other people they couldn't just offer him the job I, I'm not hundred percent sure on the specifics of that stuff but um, it would be unusual for him to just get a high school coaching job immediately after graduating high school especially like a paid job but uh. and also you've got these kids uh, with the football team. A thousand student fo- uh, football team, a thousand student school that has a football team that practice year round. I don't know. That's that's kind of nitpicky. Tony the Boxer is, uh, he gets his scholarship. that... It, I, I think it's really day class A when shows make plot lines out of whether you should accept like scholarship money. We did this with Ani with, uh, Bryce's money and then, uh, Tony doesn't want to accept the scholarship because he's got stuff to take care of there. Take the security. Get an education. I mean, the show, at least with Ani, had Tony kind of with her explaining the, the blunt reality of the situation that she should uh, use that. Who wants to be stuck? Like, like, these characters are behaving in a way that totally betrays the reality of the situation, which is if you can avoid saddling yourself with hundreds of thousands of dollars in, it it treats student debt as if it's not like some major problem that affects a lot of people talk about, you see all these articles of, Oh, millennials are, are ruining this industry. They're ruining that industry. Millennials have killed this, this market. Millennials don't have money. They're saddled with too much student debt. And this show is just like, oh, it's not a big deal. I have to go to college. I won't accept this dead rapist's parents' money. Who the fuck cares? Ugh. I don't know. I mean, the character arcs were unsatisfying. The plot lines were unsatisfying. I don't understand why any of these characters are friends with each other. Particularly the new ones, and what like, like really? What was the point of Justin this year? I mean, heroin is a very addictive drug. It it it's not absurd that a uh, that a that a high school student who's been uh, who's come from that kind of upbringing that Justin has that he would uh, struggle to stay sober, even even while acknowledging that, that he really was uh, given a very uh, lucky circumstance. He got very lucky. He was adopted by the Jensen's uh, basically right before he was going to become a legal adult, uh, and and he almost got to have a really happy ending. I, I don't understand why the show needed to rob him of a happy ending, which just seemed kind of cruel and unnecessary, much like basically everything the show has done to... It, it its characters and Clay has Clay, Clay has functioned f- throughout these four seasons as as the show's uh, sensible lead and protagonist for the first season at least he he sort of shared that role well he did totally share that role with Hannah but uh, in the present narrative he was the protagonist um, that was that was. Pretty much true of the second season. But the the show's always kind of had its eyes on the ball with its great ensemble. But how Clay's doing has has really been the the barometer for the the seasons as a whole. If he has a dumb plot line, the show is bad. If he spends his time talking to ghosts. The finale... As far as finales go, it, it it wasn't as bad as it could have been, I guess. In like a really indifferent way. Kath, Catherine Langford got a brief cameo. It's hard to tell if that was digitally inserted or if she was actually there. I don't think it really matters either way. No speaking line. And yet Montgomery and Bryce did. I, I guess that's. I don't have a problem with the show not giving Hannah more of a plot. Or, I don't have a problem with the show not giving Hannah a speaking role in the final season. I wouldn't have blamed them if they had. That would have made sense. But on the flip side, I... I, I I, I think it, it. season two wrapped her story up so well that I don't think you needed to re- revisit it. And if they had one last time... Because, I mean, it was awkward at the end when they're burying the tapes. It seems re- unrealistic that H- Hannah's mother would send Clay the tapes. That's, like, probably the worst gift imaginable. You're opening a package that are the tapes. They're to haunt you. And while we're actually on that note, after the school riot, Jessica notes that it's been blowing up on social media and Twitter, and that the, the country is engaged with them. I I really hate when shows integrate social media too much into their narratives, because I, I just, I I would rather watch a show than... You know, show scripted television is a great way to get away from technology, and I, I think that very uh, few shows use technology to their advantage. A lot of times, it's used as a crutch. I watch a lot of old stuff because they don't. There's no cell phones. It's it's better back then. Well, it's not better for a lot of reasons, but uh, as a narrative sense, it, it, it functions better when people actually when they can't just text. You don't want to watch, like, who wants to watch a scene of characters texting? It's really underwhelming. But she mentions that it's blowing up on social media. Opening kind of the door. And the show, show doesn't mention social media all that often, which is probably good because the more you're thinking about the social media dynamic. The tapes were posted online at, at some point. Everybody could listen to them. There is no reality in which the tapes wouldn't have gone viral. Nationwide. If they were real. If there was a real case of a girl who committed suicide who left tapes like that, it would have exploded on the internet. So she's talking about how Twitter is behind them on the police riot. Well, where was Twitter when the tapes weren't public? Why did the show not handle that? (laughs) And the answer is plot holes. This is a very bad writer's room. So. That happened. I mean, Ryan looked about 40 when they brought him back for the finale. Just thinking about why the tapes are back. (laughs) I'll say this. If they hadn't brought the tapes back. I would be talking about how they didn't. And Hannah, I mean, Hannah really in the second half of the series didn't play that much of a role. She's rarely mentioned this season, and she's really only mentioned in relation to Bryce a couple times. Well, what I really would have liked is if Bryce and Montgomery had not appeared at all. Because the show made a conscious choice to further humanize two characters who did not have to be humanized. And I don't say that from the perspective of saying that people are black and white, you're either good or evil. I'm not saying there's no gray at all to a person. But when you choose to shine the spotlight on the irredeemable... And that, that is what Bryce and, Bryce and Monty are. They're irredeemable. That's how they were portrayed. We, it's okay to say that they are irredeemable, even though apparently Winston and, to a lesser extent, Diego loved Monty. Monty's sister's the only one who has, like, an actual, like, reasonable view toward her rapist brother. Which is funny, because Chloe in season two is like, oh, Bryce is not a rapist. You never hear Elena saying... That that her brother wasn't an awful person. It's just so ridiculous. But the show decides to spend a lot of time... Th- that's time that they can't spend doing something else. That's time that they decided should be given to the rapists. And it's, it's hard to forgive or even understand that. And the weird futuristic vision with Clay... I have always said that talking about how the show's irresponsibility, it's it's, it's always going to be a fair question. And I'm not a big fan of whataboutism, but but when you look at the discussions I've been having about 13 Reasons Why, there is a lot of irresponsible television out there that features rape in irresponsible ways, that features uh, mental health in irresponsible ways. So to talk, to single 13 Reasons Why Out is some kind of vastly dangerous show uh, above and beyond a lot of other things that you can see on HBO or streaming or, or, or places where they don't have to censor things. To single 13 Reasons Why Out is, is kind of obvious given the blatant nature of its premise, but it, it is to some degree unfair. You can go on CBS... You could watch CBS, and uh, their their nightly lineup has uh, murder mysteries pretty much every night. You could spend your entire day watching Law & Order solve murders, and nobody ever says, does Law & Order glorify violence? It seems stupid, and it's not totally fair to say that about 13 Reasons Why... But we should also not forget that this is, in fact, a scripted show. It is fiction. And it sensationalizes topics that shouldn't be sensationalized necessarily. Fiction is an art form that does that. It sensationalizes things. This show is not the first show to to be irresponsible toward this stuff. But there's a bigger problem at play for 13 Reasons Why. For too much of its run, it was a really, really bad show. It was a bad narrative. This season was bad storytelling for the reasons that I've spent a better part of an hour outlining. The show had no consistent narrative. No consistent approach to its characters. Really, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of a single one who had like a, a consistent arc. And I, I guess you could hone in on like Alex and Justin, I guess. And the tragedy, at least mostly in Justin's case, was just the fact that uh, he wasn't allowed to to re- enjoy redemption as a character because narrative requires conflict, and for whatever reason, he had to get AIDS and die. As a, as a, as a, eighteen-year-old kid. So that's where we're at with uh, a, a character who was, was, for, was a contender for MVP of the series. Justin Foley. The only character to get two tapes. Really awful guy at parts of the series and ended, uh, ended season one on, it's hard to call, sort of leaving the town a high note, but uh, it's uplifting. In, in a weird way. He did, I guess, stay somewhat consistent. And it was sad what happened to him. For no real reason. There was no... You could have had him not die, and the show basically would have ended. I mean, it'd be harder for Clay to go off with Tony. But that's not a reason to give a character AIDS and kill him. I, I, I didn't really buy the idea that Tony and Clay were still friends. I wouldn't want to be anyone's friend on the show, which is not a great testament to the power of friendship in a show. I would like to go hang out with the Riverdale people. Dawson's Creek kind of uh, toward it, the end of its show, uh, toward the end of its run, faced this this similar issue. Was the idea that the the core group were not friends anymore? Really, I mean, you had you had a love triangle, but then you had. For the better part of the show's second half, you had Jen and you had Jack who are basically just totally separated from the group and they, they weren't really convincing friends anymore. And that's fine because your high school friends don't need to be your friends for life. It's it's not a that's that's perfectly okay but you you you, you can't then try to pretend like these characters are somehow better for knowing each other. I'll say this, the characters are not better for knowing having known each other. Ani's life would be better not would be better not worse if she had never attended Liberty High. Alex, Jessica, Justin all had personal growth as a result of their time there. It's hard to say they're better off. Clay is definitely not better off. And Clay wasn't really the villain early on, but Clay Clay suffered a lot of mental trauma that the show did not really want to handle very well. At all. And Gary Sinise, fine actor. It, it was kind of sad to see him in this show, which was so stupid. It's 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 a mess. Zach was just there. I I almost wish they'd gotten rid of a couple more characters. I mean, the responsible thing to do would have probably have just gotten rid of Ani early on, like like in the beginning of season two. Get rid of Sky for no reason. Ani was uh, not the absolute worst part of season three, but she was far from great, and uh, I think it would have been totally understandable to just, just remove her from the narrative, admit the fact that she didn't work in the last season. The show... I If I, if I could have framed how the fourth season would have looked, I would have finished... The will they, won't they, on the Monty framing really early on. I probably would not have done 10 episodes. I'd probably done like five or six episodes and focus more on healing, which is kind of treading toward territory that the second season did. But at the same time, the show circled the runway a lot toward a, a conclusion that was predictable since the end of season two but at the same time in order to keep circling the runway you had to keep doubling down on unnecessary trauma that really started to fall flat after a while it, it didn't it didn't make sense it wasn't compelling it, it, you almost felt gross watching it like like it's not fun the writing isn't good the acting isn't good anymore what's the reason to sit here and and watch this anymore and for season four, the answer for me at least was I was being paid to write a review about it. I would have watched it anyway, but I would have felt really bad. I I, I binged it. I binged it in two days because Netflix didn't, uh, they didn't do screeners for the season. They didn't do screeners for last season either. Um, but it was frustrating to talk to a, I'd, I'd sent them like three emails about it, knowing that I was, uh, gonna do the review. And, uh, they're pretty good about other stuff, but they're like, nope, nope, no screeners this time. Sorry. Because I, I, they, nobody holds, the The only time that screeners get held, get held for, <coughs> the, the only time that screeners get held for good shows is uh, Game of Thrones because they're worried about leaks. Although not that, I thought the season eight was very good, but uh, <laughs> that's where we're at. Bad shows tend not to get screeners. More so than when a show is having its screeners held, that's rarely a good sign. And it wasn't like there was some big cliffhanger that they were trying to hide for this season. So I had a feeling it wasn't going to be pretty good. But I I liked last season well enough. I thought it was an improvement. This was not. And 13 Reasons Why will be a show that meant something to me at a weird time i I talked about this in the season three episode but uh i as we we close the chapter of uh we're not going to go back and do 13 reasons why season one or two on this show this will probably be it for 13 reasons why coverage so uh to to just just say one last time when the first season premiered i was uh really early on in my transition and i was very depressed i really i i was lonely i felt really bad about the world And I was scared, and I'm a big sucker for high school dramas. I love 80s music, so season one hit a sweet spot for me. And it it handled very dark material in a way that was performative and flamboyant, but also kind of forced you to look at the stuff dead in the eye. And as people said, oh, this show glorifies suicide... I wanted to like jump from the rooftops No, I'm I'm somebody who who very recently was suicidal and I I I felt good after watching it. I, I felt like I I felt like it it confronted some of this stuff in a way that that maybe wasn't always the most responsible thing in the world, but at the same time it uh it faced this stuff. It didn't try to sweep things under the rug, and that's that's valuable. Some shows don't want to go to these kind of dark dark territory because, I mean, who would? But it it was willing to face stuff that that other shows weren't. And then it kind of became a parody of itself as time went on. Because it never knew truly how to... It built a great show around the tapes. It didn't succeed because of the tapes, but the tapes were... The tapes kept the trains running on time. And the characters made the ride interesting. Without the tapes, the show really didn't know where to go. And as a result, the characters that that made the magic struggled to fill the void. They reclaimed that a bit in the third season by reintroducing Mystery, tackling Bryce, killing him off, thank God but um from there they didn't know where to go as a result the narrative suffered the writing got worse and worse i i, I don't i don't I, I i i feel comfortable giving this season an f because I, I i don't really i don't know what to say about it that was good ani was a little better than this season but i still would have written her out so that's not really a plus Alex, I guess, was the shining point of the season. But I, I, I just... If, if your point of like success is to to look at... Characters being in relationships in the second half of their senior year... I don't know. The timeline, which I haven't really talked about all that much, is... Uh, this timeline was just too condensed. It's just not realistic. It's, it's really... For new characters to come in, Winston's second semester senior year... On a senior year, I, I, just, it's too short a time to really make all these lifelong friends. If, if, in real life, if you looked at them five years from now, none of them would probably talk to each other. Maybe, maybe Clay and Tony every once in a while, but, uh, total disaster. So we, we closed the chapter on the show, which was a great conversation piece. I think as time went on, it became a far less effective conversation piece because the conversation that people shouldn't be having because the conversation isn't really about whether the show is responsible or not. The much more important conversation is, is the show good? And the season was, was a mess. An F rating is is very, very validated. Yeah, I mean the, the the F rating makes sense. There's there's nothing really to praise about this absolute train wreck of a season. And on that note, I mean, I I, I think it probably makes sense to wrap this up. And uh, I won't miss the show. I'll miss what it I, I'll miss what it was at at times. A very well produced, well acted. Although not the season drama that was uh unafraid to go into realms that other shows wouldn't but at the same time it was a show that ventured into area that it, it 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 should have known how to handle better particularly with rape it's a show that got gratuitous and relied too much on shock value as time went on and as a result it it cheapened its original premise it's it's very it's i i I struggle to find a really like high note for this season and uh you know if you if you've listened to this whole episode and you're you're i don't i I don't want to sound like super defeated as we end but uh it's it's where we're at it's okay there's always going to be another show netflix premieres a lot of stuff um I, I i wish this could have been a better show but uh it it, it came to me at a time that uh, i'll be grateful that uh, i got to watch it at a time when i was depressed and it made me less depressed but i can't recommend this show really for anyone even even the first season because you'll you'll want to continue and then you'll regret having continued and i regret having watched the show so on that note i hope you haven't regretted watching this episode i hope you haven't regretted listening to this episode If you you did, I'm very sorry about that. But anyway, uh, to wrap up, uh, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time.